Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to The Call-Up, your go-to podcast on the future stars of Major League Baseball. I'm Aram Layton. He's Jack McMullen. And today we've got pitching prospects who are struggling. And we're going to discuss kind of our concern level around those guys. We just did hitting prospects. Check that out. That was yesterday's episode. Went out later yesterday. So uh, if you're just seeing it now, you know, you might, or if you're just hearing this now, you might have missed it. So go check that out. Kind of highlighted I would say how many names, Jack? Probably like 10 to 12. I think we did players? 12. 12 position player names that, you know, we wanted to give a little bit of context to how concerned we are. And we're going to be right around the same number here with the pitching prospects, a couple of which, you know, Jack, you may have seen recently, uh, guys that we talk about a lot that, you know, a lot of these guys, it's it's not about just struggling. It's about struggling, uh, I, I would say, in comparison to our expectations, so some yeah. of these guys are guys that, you know, maybe I was excited about going into the year. Maybe you were excited about going into the year and they haven't quite been as good. Like TK Roby, I think would be a good example of a guy we're going to talk about. Like he doesn't maybe fit the caliber of names that are around him, but I was excited about TK Roby this year and he has been disappointing. So that's part of it as well. Right. A hundred percent. There are also some guys that, you know, I, I think we were expecting to be middling stat wise that, you know, are maybe underperforming that. Um, like just full transparency, we just took Quinn Priester off this list. Mm-hmm. Priester was disappointing through six starts. He's put together back-to-back great starts. He went seven innings, one run, nine Ks, one walk on a Tuesday night. So we we see the OneNote file that I sent you with like 11 names. And it was like, all right, time to take Priester off because that's the thing about starting pitching this early in the year, man. Like we're talking about a seven-start sample. And there are guys that are really, really talented at the highest level that struggle over a seven start sample. It's good to see some of these prospects bouncing back. But again, other flip of the coin, a seven start sample is enough to worry about some guys. Yes. Yes. But if if two of those seven starts most recently were were pretty positive, then, you know, you got to probably tread lightly and, and, and take that guy off. So real quick to mention Quinn Priester before we get into it. 
Um, you know, what did you see from him in the, in the last start? I, were you on the call for the last two? I know you were on the call for the last one, um, but were you on the call yeah. for his last two starts? Yeah, I've had his last two. And, and the thing about Quinn that I love is this guy's like, he's not a strikeout artist. Nine kind of took you by surprise. First two guys of the game reached on the first three pitches. Darius Hill, who like has sneaky been a 310 hitter in AAA. Dude, he Chicago. sprays baseball. He's he scratched. I like so, him. Darius Hill just jumps on a first pitch sinker to open the game. Like 635 first pitch, it's 635-01. That ball's scorched into right field on the ground. So you've got that. And then Jake Slaughter, who I know you love, second pitch sinker he went to go get. So what does Quinn do? Quinn's like, honestly, it felt like, fuck it. I, I got to get outs right now. He struck out the side in order after that to get out of that inning using almost exclusively curveball second inning he strikes out the side in order he went six straight punch outs all swinging first inning he went pretty much all curveball second inning he went pretty much all slider and then he got into a nice mix where he was going curveball slider sinker really didn't see very many four seams at the end of the start you know i saw him run it up to like 93 um but the priester man like i think this guy is at his best when he can mix three pitches and he gets contact early in counts. Yeah. This guy was at 69 pitches through six innings, man. He was filling the strike zone. I think that's the best version of Quinn Priester. There's a lot of uh, Cal Quantrill in him, I feel like. There is. There's a Which ton is, of That's Cal a good major league pitcher. If, if you get, I know a lot of people are always hoping top 100 prospect arm, you want to see a guy like, oh, he can be an ace. But Quinn Priester is really smart. I know you've talked to him, uh, and, and you talk about like the makeup there. That's something that he's, just been so highly touted for the way he approaches the game, the way he just interacts with human beings, all things that are important, especially for a pitcher that maybe doesn't have the off the chart stuff. You got to mix and match. You got to be creative. You just set the scene of the a way that he did that. And I think that's a, a lot of what he does to get out. He's also 22. So you never know. He could see an uptick later. But I, I think at this point, it's probably what you see is what you're going to get. But he can get out as a back end of the rotation arm doing that and you take that, especially if you're the Pirates right now, then they're just trying to fill out that rotation for the next five years. I think Quinn Priester can easily do that, even if he is a high threes, low fours guy. You know, that's still a, an important arm to have. Absolutely. And we always talk about, you know, like hedging the high risk, high reward guys with some of the safer bets. Like Quinn Priester is always going to throw strikes and he's always going to mix pitches. So you've yeah. got somebody that can be me- meteoric like Luis Ortiz, but can also walk the world. You hedge Ortiz and Mike Burrows, who's down with TJ, with Quinn Priester. Like, they've got a really nice mix of different looks coming through that organization. Absolutely. And I think if Priester strings together a handful more of good starts, you know, he could get a look from the Pirates, uh, you know, not too far from now. So uh, that is an interesting thing to to monitor there. Let's get into the struggling pitching prospects. And I think, you know, the the first guy that I want to talk about is actually someone who, who wasn't really struggling. I just wanted to throw him in here because it's unfortunate he's going to be on the shelf um, yeah. and, and it's a shame because he was really performing well. Kumar Rocker is is going to be, you know, out now for all of this year, part of next year, Tommy John surgery, unfortunately, and the Kumar Rocker situation with the, with the uh, Texas Rangers, you know, with the Mets prior is, is always been a little bit weird. Um, we knew that there were some red flags with his arm, but you know, w- when we saw Kumar, come out here and, and just throw fuzz and look very solid. We're like, oh, maybe that was all overblown. Maybe this guy's ready to go. He was sitting mid-90s. The slider looked nasty. 
but he he was just a little bit off in his last start and turns out you know he needs Tommy John's surgery. Uh, you know, at least there's nothing major with the shoulder. It seems like it's an elbow thing. He can come back from that. He can be fine. But this guy's going to start his career professionally now. You know, I know he has a few games under his belt, but, you know, really start it now coming back from the surgery at about 25 years old. Like he's going to be 24 and two thirds, you know, as he really tries to get rolling here. Um, they'll probably aggressively assign him. But it, it, it's it's a shame. I feel like this guy, this poor guy's had a roller coaster uh, after once being considered like the shoe in number one pick, you know, he's now been selected twice in the first round, uh, had just all of these ups and downs. And, you know, now is another wrinkle in this Kumar rocker story. Yeah. It just flat out sucks, man. I mean, like I I'm looking at rocker and I'm just thinking, okay, you were going to be a top five pick out of high school. You were hell bent on going to Vandy, which I really appreciated. Like he was the most must watch talent in college baseball for three years. Yep. 2019, you heard about this freshman weekend guy for Vandy. 2020, I mean, you knew that it was Kumar Rocker's year. And then 21, it was Rocker and Lighter. Rocker on Friday, Lighter on Saturday. Like it's going to be must see TV. Get the popcorn out. Um, and, and that's what I appreciated about that. The Mets saga sucked. Um, I don't like, I assume that the medical red flag that the Mets uncovered was, was something in the painter ilk, right? Like a partially torn, but he's going to try and pitch through it. Yeah. I, I think they said shoulder stuff too, but that all correlates. Like, obviously there were some red flags with Kumar's arm and here he is, you know, six starts into the season with an arm issue. So like it does validate the Mets to a degree. I just hated the way they handled that whole thing. Yeah, It sucked. It yeah. sucked. And like, I, you make a great point. Like this guy's really going to get going. He's a 23 year old in high A. This dude was talented enough to like get a ton of outs in AAA right now, but he was off to that really slow start, right? He makes, he makes five starts in indie ball. And then he makes six starts in the Arizona fall league. And in those six starts, he threw 14 innings. Like he was so heavily protected when he was a bulldog for Vandy in 2021. Yeah. So none of it like, None of it's made sense in the Kumar Rocker saga. And this honestly just makes me root even harder for him to have a prosperous major league career. Yeah. And and he still can, you know, it's going to be a later start, but he still can. And because of how polished he is in terms of, you know, I wouldn't say, I, I think polish is probably the wrong word, but advanced, like he knows how to get outs against better competition. And he has two pitches that can get outs right now, you know, assuming he comes back to full strength. Fastball that's 95 to 97 and a slider that is disgusting. That was what was really helping him just overpower guys was that slider. He's still trying to find that that change up, but he was mixing it in. He might end up being a two pitch guy that goes multi inning relief. And you know what? I, I just want to see Kumar Rocker in the big leagues. This guy just you know, he deserves to you know be in the big leagues and 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 you know have an opportunity there. So whether it's as a reliever or as, or as a starter at this point, I, I don't know how what the plan is. I assume they want to try to keep him as a starter, given where they selected him in the draft, uh, even if it was an underslot. But yeah. regardless, I think the goal has to just be to get him to the big leagues. And especially when he's 25 years old and he can maybe continue his development there, because I think with his two pitches, he can contribute, you know, right away once he comes back. And uh, that should help. I think his case a little bit, I know he doesn't fit the bill of struggling pitchers, but I'd argue when you can't pitch for almost two years now, that, you might as well be struggling. And unfortunately, you know, we're going to have to wait a little while to see rocker who was looking good. That's the good news. And and Tommy John is, 
obviously pretty streamlined at this point. So hopefully Kumar comes back and looks as good as ever, because we know he was kind of nursing a few different little arm issues here and there uh, through the last couple of years to try to get drafted, got his bag, and now maybe can actually really get everything taken care of. And nobody wants to take that time off, but you know, maybe this will get him to be the strongest he's been in a little while. For sure. And and I hope he is because I'm still dreaming on that rocker lighter Texas Ranger, like one, two punch. That'd be so I, much fun. I need it. And lighter, by the way, real quick, not on this list because he has looked fantastic in his last yeah. two starts. Fastball is jumping. Uh, the command looks better. Very excited about Jack Leiter and what he's doing right now in double A. Yeah. Let's stick with the Rangers. Let's just keep going. Let's, let's just keep going with Rangers, guys. Cole Wynn. We talked about him a lot last year and and voiced our concerns around Cole Wynn. We got a lot of comments in the YouTube like he got hit in the shin with a fastball and like that's or with a with a line drive and and, and he hasn't been the same sense. I, I never really bought that theory. I thought that was kind of random and didn't really make a lot of sense. I could yeah. see why it, it affects a start or two after. You know, you're stiff, you don't feel right, but it, it shouldn't affect you the whole season. If it does, they they would shut you down because you could end up creating some much worse issues if your landing leg or your driving leg are messed up that feels like the fast track to a to a stress fracture like yeah. immediate or, or like imagine you're, you're you're altering the way you land what that can do to your arm and what that can do to other yeah. like there's no way i wasn't really subscribing to that theory regardless i i appreciated that fans were trying to find a, a reason to justify why a pitcher who seemed so can't miss in 2021 could yeah. all of a sudden just just struggle to miss bats because what stood out to me with Cole Wynn in 2021 was he had four pitches that he could get you out with. He had a fastball, he had a slider, he had a changeup, he had a curveball, and he threw them all. He threw them all pretty frequently, and all of which held opponents to a very low batting average. I think all of which held opponents to a sub 200 batting average. So to see the stuff back up is one thing, but to see almost all of his pitches backup was the really surprising part because I'm like, this guy has four different ways that he can attack hitters, all of which were good. And then all of a sudden last year struggles to land strike. I mean, only a 59% strike rate across his arsenal fastball was only 55% strike rate has that disaster season that we saw last year did show some flashes. And then so far this year, it's been more of the same command struggles, uh, just getting knocked around and right now opponents have a 930 OPS against him. It's, it's really frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I think you had him at 51 on your pre 2022 top 100, like understandable. Oh, yeah. I loved him. Loved yeah. him. How could you not, man? This guy put up a two, three and 19 starts in Frisco. Like he went from low a where he was four five to COVID year to all of a sudden dominating double A. And I'm like, yeah, sold. Perfect. Let's do it. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, like a six and a half last year, and he's walking the world. The right world. Now. 32 innings, 26 free passes. Not to mention he's faced 160 hitters. Seven have hit homers right now. That clip is pretty high. Seven homers and 20 in uh 32 innings is like pretty brutal. I so think he's I, just falling behind a lot of two oh counts, a lot of three one counts, you know. Yeah. So you got to, you got to deliver a cookie and it's getting blasted, but no, dude, I mean, those walk numbers are just egregious. And last year he was walking six and a half per nine this year, seven and a half per nine. Like that needs to change for him to, you know, have this upward mobility towards the major leagues. He doesn't have one 
pitch in his arsenal that is over 60% strike rate. See that, like you cannot survive like that. You can't. And the fastball is like not bad. It's a, it's a pretty good quality fastball, but he's throwing it in the zone less than half the time. You're yeah. just not going to have success that way. Um, I, I, I'm, we were talking about concern levels on the last episode, so we'll continue to do that. I, I for Cole Witt. Because yeah. now we're talking about following up a year of command issues with worse command issues so far at the same level. And the last two starts have arguably been the worst. Uh, two and a third. It was in, in and I know he's in triple A now, um, but he was in triple A for a lot of last year um, or pretty much all of last year. Right. So at Reno, six runs, five walks versus Oklahoma City, four walks, four runs. I, I know this is a league where you take the statistics with a grain of salt, but Obviously, this guy's not trusting his stuff whatsoever right now. Um, and and I don't really know what they should do about it. <laughs> I'd almost like if they weren't competing, I'd consider calling him up and just being like, all right, let's see what he can do at the big league level. See, like Williamson style, like we're going to talk about. But they're competing. So I, I, I don't know what the deal is with Cole Wynn. He might be a change of scenery candidate. Um, but the PCL is the worst place for a guy with command issues to pitch. Yeah. I'd almost consider would it be nuts to send him to double to work on shit? Like he's 23. Like, no, but are you worried about stifling his confidence? Cause I'd argue getting bombed in Reno is worse for your confidence. Yeah, no, it's a lot worse. I don't know. I, so real quick assessment of the, of the worry level for me, it's as high as anybody that we'll talk about hitter or pitcher because this happened last year and it's mm-hmm. getting worse this year. Mm-hmm. Like if it was great year last year, rough start to the year it's low medium for me especially with a pitcher like i'm i'm typically gonna hedge lower um but this i mean struggles in triple a so i gotta throw my hands up and say like dude i don't know what's going on whether change of scenery means going from round rock to frisco or if it means going from the rangers organization somewhere else uh i i think that might be necessary now which which stinks um because i mean he's got time he's 23 but obviously there's a lot that needs to be tinkered with and, and figured out here um, with Cole Wynn. We'll move to a guy that, you know, I don't think we would have thought we'd be talking about in this light. And it's 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 going to be a low concern, but we got to talk about it because it's been an interesting couple starts for him since he's gone up and down. Taj Bradley, what the hell is happening? Ray's right-handed know. pitching prospect Taj Bradley, who they need more than ever right now is really running into some trouble so far in his last three AAA games. Jack, you ready for this? I, th- this is rough. Last three AAA games, 16 ERA. That's 16 earned runs in nine innings, four home runs, six walks, five strikeouts. What is going on? Bradley looks lights out in not only a couple minor league starts, the AAA starts, in big league starts, he went five strong against the Red Sox, where he gave up three runs and struck out eight. He followed that up with five and a third shutty against the Reds, where he punched out nine. And they followed that up with five strong against the Astros, where he gave up three earned runs. It was scattering two homers, walked nobody and struck out six. You take that every day of the week from your young rookie against the Astros. All of a sudden, then they send him back down. I don't know why they did it, but they sent him back down. Whatever roster decision they had to deal with there. 
And he goes to AAA after that start against the Astros, pitches six days later, and goes one inning against the Memphis Redbirds. So think about that. You went five innings of three-run ball against Kyle Tucker, Jordan Alvarez, and co. And then you go to the Memphis Redbirds, and you go one inning, eight runs, two walks, two Ks. I'm just trying to like wrap my mind around that. I don't know how that happens. Time to think right now. Open your third eye. Who's got more homers at this point? Jordan Alvarez or Luke and Baker? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Who do you want to face? <laughs> yeah, who do you want to face right now? Luke and Baker or Jordan Alvarez? Honestly, honestly, Jordan right now, the way <laughs> the way Luke is swinging it. Luke and Baker and Christopher Morell, I think, are tied for the overall lead in, in homers, major league or minor league right now. But no, I mean, like, this is so weird. And I guess the concern level is low because it, it's turning my brain into mashed potatoes. Like, He's 3-0 in his first three big league starts. And then he he's staking it up in Durham right now. And, like, the walks are there. They're not there in Tampa. The strikeouts are not there. The strikeouts are there in Tampa. A 23-2 strikeout-to-walk ratio in Tampa, 13-9 in almost identical samples. 15 and a third innings in Tampa, 16 innings in Durham. Like, those numbers shouldn't be that drastic. And velocity, like, that was the first place I looked. Like, maybe dip in velocity. No, <laughs> if any, actually his last start, he had his highest average fastball velocity of the year. He was sitting 97 through 67 pitches against Charlotte. So, so the good news here is like Tampa needs him. He's been better in Tampa. So I'd say yeah. just get him up to Tampa and let him roll. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> like, I guess. And what's interesting is the fastball has just been getting bombed. Absolutely bombed. And the command hasn't hasn't been there for the fastball as much. I think that's super interesting. Like the last three games, remember that the fastball is like a bread and butter pitch for him. The last three starts, he doesn't have one strikeout on his fastball. So I, I don't know what the deal is there. Um, I, I'm still putting low because a 22-year-old who's being sent back and forth from Durham to Tampa or wherever they're on the road, like that's a lot to deal with. And um, you know, and then he succeeds and then gets sent back down to triple. I'm sure he was slightly demoralized when he went back there. I, I maybe not. I have no idea. I'm not going to try to get inside his brain, but I'm sure he wasn't pumped about it. I can yeah. guarantee that. Um, doesn't mean you should give up eight earned runs, but you know, I think there's more things at play here. I'm just shocked because of how good he looked in the big leagues. I, I would, so you would, would you put him back in Tampa now through these struggles or would you wait for him to figure it out in triple? No, I, I put him back in Tampa. Like, and honestly, as backwards as that sounds, like obviously something was clicking up there that isn't clicking down there. Um, and obviously you want to turn this into as much of a meritocracy as as you possibly can for the sake of the organization and for the sake of your other players. Like there are other guys in that Durham rotation. that's like Taj sucks right now. Like, why is he going up? Like, you know what I mean? So you don't want to piss everybody off, but you got to look at Taj's numbers at the big league level at this point this year. I don't know. I don't think it's a checked out thing. No, I don't think it's a checked out thing, but like not at all. Like, I I don't think it is, but there are some guys that I think are a bit more seasoned than Taj Bradley with more major league service that will come down to triple be checked out. And the numbers are worse in triple than they are at the major league level. It's not a checked out thing at all with a guy that only has 15 innings of major league baseball under his belt. Especially when you, when you know he's probably he knew he was going to be back. Like he knew he was going to sure. be back in the big leagues. Maybe he's pressing a little bit. I don't know. 
I bet he's pressing. I bet he sees Springs go down and he doesn't go up. I bet he sees Rasmussen go down and he doesn't go up. So I think he's like, well, I got to show him. Like, I got to throw seven no-hit innings to get back up. And when you go out there trying to throw seven no-hit innings, I feel like that's when shit kind of hits the fan. Like, Taj is best when he pitches loose. Yeah. I mean, he's an athlete. And and so, you know, this is a guy, though, dude, like, I am lasered in on his next start, which I believe would be today as we're recording this because he last pitched the 11th. I'll tell Um, you right now. He should be on the bump today. I will be lasered the hell in on that start. Kind of going through it because I, I, I'll be honest, I have not watched the the last couple rough starts, but I'd say the number one thing that that stands out in the box score is more walks than usual and more homers than usual, and that's that's never a good combination. Walks and homers typically not good for pitchers. Yeah, so it's Fauche today. Um, so they're giving Taj an extra. Day or two off, really? No. By the way, Glass now made a rehab appearance. He last looked night. fantastic last night. Oh my gosh! Yeah, four innings, three hits, no runs, nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, poor. I always feel so bad for those hitters. Like, just you, you know, yeah, think about it. You triple. You, I know, I know. But like, think about it, like you're a hitter though, and you're like, you're getting in a nice rhythm. Like maybe you're starting to starting to get hot, and then just like. Uh, that's basically a Cy Young candidate comes into town to rehab and just carves you up. Like that sucks. So like, I get it when it's like low A, like, no, when it's low A it's comically unfair. Like I always think about that. Like when, when the ground went to like Jupiter and I'm like, do you think they even gave those kids a scouting report? Like, it's it's really fast and you won't hit it. Like just, you got no shot, but Um, like, this is triple. Like for him to dominate triple shows you just how good this motherfucker is. Especially after not throwing for so long. Yeah. So I guess Taj could possibly line up for Thursday because Fauche goes today. I think it's interesting that he hasn't thrown yet because, like, he threw the 11th. Today's the 17th. He's not going to throw the 17th. Like, uh, it'll be interesting to see. Maybe they're deciding if they want to bring him back up or or they want to give themselves a little flexibility here. So that's why I don't envy these guys in the front office, these guys and girls in the front office that have to make these decisions because – you got to be worrying about the triple A rotation and who's throwing when, when, when you've got all of these injuries and you've got to be like head on a swivel, making sure everything's working on, you know, every single level, uh, which right. is why, you know, Brandon Williamson, like the way it timed up, he gets the call up. And I was, I was so ready for this Reds prospect here to get just dismantled. Like this guy was getting rocked in triple A and they say, all right, kid, come make your big league debut at Coors Field. And what does Brandon Williamson do? Five and two-thirds, two hits, one run on a Zeke Tovar solo shot to walk 6Ks at altitude. We're still going to talk about Williamson because otherwise he's he's struggled. But I will say, Williamson now, you include that start in there. He's now put together two starts and triple one start at cores in the big leagues. The last three starts, 17 and a thirds, 11 hits, five earned runs, three homers, six walks, 17 Ks. That's the Williamson we knew. Um, not enough to get him off this list because it literally on the 23rd, he, he went three and two thirds and gave up 10 hits, six runs, or six runs, four earned. And then on the 29th, he made a start where he got one out. One out, 
five hits, eight earned. And then he turned around and has strung together these three starts. What the hell is the deal with this dude? I don't know. Um, We saw him second week of the season. I think it was start two of his season. And this dude like wore frustration on his face more than any other AAA pitcher I think I've ever seen. Like he, he was having a bad start and like, Everybody that was watching the broadcast knew that Brandon Williamson was having a bad start. And and we got a shot of him after the first inning, like slamming his glove against the the dugout bench, like repeatedly. Like it was it was a really rough thing to watch. Like body language was terrible. And that wasn't even his worst start. If you look, I know. And and I, I feel terrible seeing that. But also like that doesn't. That I I can't give a vote of confidence in somebody that I see that negative body no, language. No, I I mean, dude, I, I forget which big leaguer I was listening to recently. Um, a retired big leaguer who was saying like the number one thing I tell these guys in the minors and in college is like they're looking at that. Like teams are looking at that because they know it's 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 baseball. You will face adversity, and I do think that that is telling there. I don't think you're you're putting too much stock into like a few gestures. Cause I think when you see a guy who's had compounding frustration, I think that's pretty telling, but it is also interesting that now he's succeeding and he strings together three in a row. This might be a guy that has those ups and downs. Yeah. I mean, that's honestly a question that like, I would want to ask Brandon Williamson, or I would want to ask somebody on that Louisville staff, like, Hey, what click did somebody have a heart to heart with him? Like, <laughs> did, did you sit down and like, Face like face the noise. Like what what was the deal here? Um, and I think they probably had that conversation with him. I mean, like this guy, th- there were outings where it felt like he could not throw a strike. And when he was, you know, finding the zone, it was middle, middle, and it was being teed off on. Seven homers against him in 34 innings. So in Louisville, like it just wasn't great. But you know, these numbers are palatable because of what he's done in his last three starts. And you mentioned yeah. one of which was his major league debut. So Hopefully, this is all the confidence he needs. This guy was a top 100 prospect. Oh, I, going into I was as high on him as I, I I would say we, at least I was. I don't know if you were fully subscribing to everything I was trying to sell there, but I would say I was probably the high guy on him. Um, like, I don't know if anybody had him ranked higher. So, you know, like that. that's the, I was looking at the arsenal. I, he was getting outs with the fastball, the slider. Also, the fastball was up to like 19 inches of induced. That after the sticky stuff cracked down, that wasn't as as much as of the case. I don't know what it was that you know ha- had that fastball quality diminish. Um, slider, he would get outs with curveball, even the changeup he was getting outs with. But now, you know, he's he's really only been fastball slider, and the fastball quality is not there. What I will say is, over these last three starts where we've seen the big time success from Williamson, he's spotting the slider. Last three starts, 74 percent strike rate on the slider. I was watching that that start against the Rockies, just locating it really well. That the, the slider was located east-west, righty lefty hitter. Yeah, he was backdooring, burying it, looked a lot better with that. And I think that was something that was enough at six foot six with that release point. When you're spotting the slider, you can get outs that way. And then it, it allows the fastball to play up and you know, you use the curveball a bit as a as a taste breaker. He doesn't land it for a strike as frequently, but you know, it's a good look for him. And he mixes in the changeup a little bit too. He could be a a, a fringy five starter with with that mix, even if he battles command issues. But you know, over those last three starts, he's only walked nine percent of hitters, which is a lot better from where he was before. Um, 
that said, congratulations to Williams. And this is awesome to not only get the call up, I was hoping it wouldn't be like a Levi stout sacrificial lamb type of thing. I'm glad right. he was able to enjoy his big league debut, especially at Coors. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I was worried that it was going to be like, Hey, go out there and like give us three innings, best case yeah. scenario. And like, we know you might get rocked, but like we had to do it, but no, he helped the Reds uh, pull off a win there, which is, which is pretty awesome. Yep. Let's go back to the Rangers, which I think that we get a trend here, man, the Rangers and pitching prospects because they don't, Seem to have the highest rate of success with their guys, though. I will say Jack Leiter's turned it around, like as we talked about. And then, you know, they've had Owen White just continue to throw well. But I think that's more of a testament to Owen White. TK Roby is a guy that I was very, very, very excited about going into this year. I still am excited about. I think he's an interesting arm, um, but he has struggled uh, thus far. That said, Roby's young. I Again, I, I'm going to put – oh, and we, we haven't really put concern levels on the last couple guys, I just realized. So – uh, Ooh, rapid fire, rapid fire. Williamson, like uh, concern relative to what? <laughs> yeah, I guess medium. medium. Yeah, medium. Yeah. Um, who else did we talk about? Guys, Bradley, low, low. Okay, we're good. We're caught up. TK Roby, TK Roby. I, I think like relative to what most people were expecting this year, like he's probably not a disappointment. This is a guy that wasn't really ranked in the top 10 in that system by anybody. I don't think was really expected to do a ton. I just kind of fell in love with TK Roby when I was doing the Rangers system dive and uh, thought he could be a really interesting arm to follow this year. It's worth noting he's a 21 year old in the Texas league. So not only is he younger for the competition, he's in a hitter friendly environment in which he is younger for the competition. The strikeout to walk rates don't look bad, but the 6-1-1 ERA is always going to get you put on a struggling pitcher's list. Um, home runs have been an issue. They were an issue for him last year. If they were an issue, <clears throat> excuse me, they, if they were an issue for you in high A and you haven't totally fixed it, it's going to be an issue for you in the Texas League. And that's, I think, the big challenge right now is, is five home runs through seven starts. And, and I think a lot of those home runs have been with guys on base. I, I still am not, I'm going to put a low concern on Roby especially because he's overall throwing strikes, only 6% walk rate. He's getting swing and miss. Um, I think he's still just figuring himself out and, and missing middle a bit too much, but overall low concern rate for me. Yeah. Uh, I think low for me as well, because I don't have like super high expectations, I guess for him. Um, you know, he's again, he's a 21 year old and double. And like, I expect those expectations to get higher for me as he progresses. But this guy's four years younger than the league average pitcher in the Texas league. Like, I'm not I'm not worried about a guy this young. I Like a six is concerning so far, but not concerning enough for me to really bat an eye, especially through yeah. seven starts. Um, he was a four and a half last year in high A. If yeah. he's a four and a half and double. I feel decent about him, but I think this is a guy that like will follow the trend of entire year in low A, entire year in high A, yeah. entire year in double. I wouldn't be shocked if he repeated double next year. And if he hits the ground running through two months, like he gets the bump to triple. You have so much time for this guy to figure himself out. Last start was really good too against Amarillo at home, six and a third, two hits, one or two runs. One walk, eight Ks. So hopefully he can build on that. But yeah, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go low concerned, and it might be as low as anyone that we really talk about aside from like Taj Bradley uh, on this list. Cool. 
We move on to Reese Olsen of the Detroit Tigers. And Olsen, somebody that, you know, we've seen on top 100 lists. Now, you know, th- this is somebody that a-, a lot of outlets or several outlets have, have liked a lot. And-, and I can see why you watch some starts and the stuff is nasty when it's on. But his fastball gets absolutely obliterated and he does not trust his stuff always and, and battles some command issues. Olsen is is really struggling. I, do you have the, uh, the the actual ERA stat line in front of you? Yeah, eight starts. He's one and three with an eight and a half ERA. Twenty six and two thirds. Thirty seven hits against him. Twenty five earned. Striking out nine and a half per nine. Walking seven per nine. The WHIP is over two point one. So the reason why I think we were seeing him on top one hundred list is. Breaking ball is so aesthetically pleasing, and the fastball like is up to 97, sits 95, 96. That said, it's a it's a dead zone fastball sometimes. Honestly, it just is a dead zone fastball. Opponents this year are hitting 370 with a 1,200 OPS against his fastball, against that four-seamer. That's not going to fly. You, you combine the sinker with it, oh, my gosh. Opponents are hitting 440, 440 with a 1,300 OPS against this fastball. Small sample size, but they're 19 for 43 with three homers. Nine walks, 10 Ks. That won't play. Mm. Um, Slider's nasty still. But when you land it for a strike, only 50, 55% of the time. And the curveball is is pretty good too, man. It looks gross, but he lands both those pitches for a strike 53% of the time. How are you going to succeed like that? Fastball gets bombed. Breaking balls don't land in the strike zone enough. It kind of gives you what you got here ERA-wise. 23. 23 and triple. So he's got some time. But right now, there's a lot that I think he needs to figure out, a lot of moving parts. I, I'd put extremely high concern on Reese Olsen. Yeah, like very, very, very high for Reese Olsen. Um, with the fastball getting hit as hard as it is and him having like no command on some nights, uh, this is not, <clears throat> you know, a guy that like I'm really giving the vote of confidence to. I just watched him what, two weeks ago. He started a road trip against Indy and it was like an 11 a.m. first pitch, but yeah, like the curveball's pretty, but they got to him, man. Like th- that's the thing, and I I think he had a decent line in that outing, but th- what I watched was really not. It, it wasn't positive at all. Okay. Like seeing results and kind of try and work through that outing. Um, and, and I think the whip over two is indicative of that. So like, he's not throwing strikes when he is throwing strikes. It's base hits galore. Like it, that's just not a recipe for success at all. No, not at all. Unfortunately, um, another guy we go to a left-hander now in Double A, Dax Fulton, Miami yeah. Marlins. I, Dax was on the show ahead of this year. This is a guy that I was, you know, very excited about. He is young, twenty-one years old, high school FD two, who you know had a late start to the professional career because of Tommy John. So, you know, he's probably like pitching age 20 years old, really at this point. So he's got plenty of time. 
But to see Dax go from what he was last year in double A, which is the interesting part. That's why he's on this list is we've seen Dax succeed in double A to the point of which like dominate in double his last start of the year, which was a playoff start against the Montgomery biscuits, the double A affiliate for the Tampa Bay Rays, which was a very good lineup. He went six innings, one hit, no runs, one walk, 13 Ks, 13. And that came right off the back of a start where he went against Biloxi, another loaded lineup at the time, five innings, two runs, two walks, nine Ks. He finished out the year last year in double A. You include the postseason start, Jack. He was 2.05 ERA, 1.54 FIP, 22 innings, 38 Ks, five walks to close out the year. A .97 opponent batting average, a 56% ground ball rate, a 49% K rate. Dax Fulton, after what he showed to finish the year on that double-A promotion, I think was on a fast track to top 100 prospect and one of the best pitchers in this system. Now he's struggling. Um, He seems to be showing signs of life. The last couple starts have been really solid from him. But it was just very surprising to see these struggles from him, given what, you know, what we know from Dax and what we saw from him at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, No, I mean, like, I want to say low. Um, What are you seeing from him? Because I know that you're watching a ton of Dax Fulton start so far this year. But yeah, like I was fully bought in this offseason when I did, you know, my dive when you were like Dax Fulton's legit, man. Like I went in and I loved what I saw, especially because this is a massive human being as a lefty. Six, seven, two, thirty five uses the frame well. Oh, 100 percent. It's low effort. It's very low effort delivering his fastballs up a tick this year. So can I tell you what it feels like? What? Kyle Muller. And like, I know that Muller's had a really rough start to his A's tenure, but there's a reason that Muller was a hot commodity in that trade. Like Muller was, Muller and Esteori were like the two main pieces oh, that yeah. went back to Oakland in that deal. Dax is is almost like, you know, the Kyle Muller build where it's super low effort, you know, really coordinated athletic big man left-hander. Yeah, and that's why I liked him. I'm like, this guy's going to you know, really fly through. He's got the breaking ball that he can just dominate hitters with. Um, I, I don't want to make an excuse, but this is the first guy we've talked about in the Southern League. And we, we assume that the Southern League baseball helps everybody. But if your fastball is doing something you're not accustomed to, which is what I see from Dax, like Dax did not have – command issues like this with the fastball last year. He had an 8% walk rate last year. His walk rate's up to 13% this year. We've seen hit by pitches jump this year with, with the Southern League Baseball. We've seen walk rates for certain pitchers rise. His fastball shape has totally changed. Do, do you feel like there's a possibility of the ball just not doing what he's accustomed to? He's a pretty cerebral pitcher, too. If you go listen to that interview we did with Dax, like he's very in tune with, with what he's got going on. And the fastball shape is totally different. 18 inches of, of vert this year, uh, four and a half of horizontal. Last year, he had an outlier fastball shape, 11 inches of vert, one inch of horizontal. It was like this weird, like hard to pick up fastball. Now it's just like a traditional rider, which is great if you understand what's going on. And I think he had to recalibrate and figure out, oh, wait, okay, now my fastball is this riding fastball. 
I got to command this more because the last one would have fit more into the bucket of almost a two seamer. So I think it's almost just like my fastball is doing different stuff. Now I got to figure it out because which to me almost makes it a low, low, low concern with Dax, especially with the last couple of starts that he's had. Yeah. So I'm like, I have no idea what goes on with the baseballs, but my traditional thinking would be, and it's not even triple, it's not even traditional. It's like simplified thinking, I guess, would be um, riding four-seamers turn into rocket ships with this new baseball and sinkers and two-seamers get a little bit more dead zoning. Yeah, I'm not sure like if that actually makes sense, but I feel like he got a little bit more dead zoning. And and he's got, you know, a riding fastball, which guys can hit now. Like guys can hit four-seam fastballs that ride. So my thing was he didn't have a rider beforehand, so it's not a rocket ship right now. Yeah, and I think what we're seeing now, though, is like, okay, let me use this to my favor. Like now I've got a fastball with 18, 19 inches of a vert. Let me start it at the top of the zone and and get strikes that way. I think it was just doing things that he wasn't used to. So I probably as low as anybody on this list in terms of concern for me would be would be Dax Fulton. Um, you look at the last two starts specifically, nine punchies against Birmingham, uh, where he gave up three earned runs, one walk. Start before that against Mississippi, though that is a bad lineup. I, I would say one of the worst lineups in the minor leagues, Braves double-A affiliate, five innings, one hit. He did walk four, but he struck out eight and did not allow any runs. That's another guy that I'm very interested to see his next start. But I'll go low concern level for Dax Fulton. Next, we've got cool. Dylan. Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's what's your? No, I was just going to say I'm going to go low as well. Yeah, I, I, th- I thought we already had you penciled down there. Sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. Now to the big leagues or back and forth, I should say, uh, because now he's in triple. But Dylan Dodd, this is a weird one. We were like, Schuster, Dodd, who's going to win the job? They both end up making it because of injuries, and then they both end up in the minors, and now Dodd is in triple. Schuster gets the bump up, and Dodd has given up a lot of home runs. He's made back-to-back starts against the same team, which stinks, um, and I think that's part of it. But two straight starts against Nashville, he went three and a third and five innings. So in those eight and a third innings, 16 hits, five homers, 12 earned runs, 10 Ks, two walks. Um, Dodd's struggling in triple. He struggled in the big leagues, uh, but he did show a couple flashes, but overall struggled. And uh, yeah, he just doesn't quite look as good as he looked in spring. That happens. Can I just say that, like, beware of AJ Smith Shaver and mm-hmm. what they're doing here. Mm-hmm. And what the example that I would point to is Dylan Dodd because um, Dodd carved his way high a double triple last year. He broke camp with Atlanta, but then he tapered off. And now like you don't want Dodd to be damaged goods. You still totally factor him in, but dude, like he hasn't thrown well at either level. His first big league start was great. 25 extra base hits. Yeah, I mean, like, maybe he wasn't ready. And I know that he's 25 years old, for sure. Like, he's he's a big league age. But, like, this guy, I mean, like, you, you fast-tracked him, man. This is the worry when you fast-track somebody. And they needed they to. Took we it a wanted little, him to. Oh, sorry to cut you off. Yes. 
No, no, no. We wanted him to, but they they took it a little bit slower with Schuster. Schuster was a little bit. Um, he, he fit the mold of a guy that can be fast tracked a little bit better than Dodd did. Um, and, and this is why I worry about Smith Schaffer because you run into a Dodd situation where it's succeed bump, succeed bump, succeed bump, and, and that's what they're doing with Schaffer too. Dude, already in triple. Yeah, I I thought that was a little crazy. I thought double was crazy. Mm-hmm. I thought that, like not in a bad way. I was like, oh wow, they're being aggressive here, and now they're sending him triple. I think this is a system that that now, I think that shows their concern level with Dodd. So I'd put high, um, or at least high medium. I'll go medium. Yeah, I'll, I'll go high medium. Um, the way that they're fast tracking Shaver is like, so the way that they're Smith Shaver, the way that they're fast tracking him. I think shows that like, Hey, we don't have a lot of confidence in, in our guys that are currently in the upper levels. He's teammates now with Dodd at 20 years old. <laughs> he just turned 20. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's interesting. What what stands out to me though, the command is, is good. So it, it might just be a stuff issue, which that's that you can't really overcome that too much. It's a 92 mile an hour fastball. It's a slider. That's pretty good. He, he commands that really well. I think that's his best pitch. And then a changeup. That's all right. He needs the slider and the changeup to really be there um, to, to get out. And I think the last couple starts, they haven't been there as much. He's leaned on the fastball more than he's wanted to, and it's just gotten hit hard. So I still think that there's a, a world where Dodd can be that that five starter for them. So I, I, I'll lean closer to, to medium I, okay. I, now that I kind of think about it and, and I kind of stand with you on that one. I think he's almost in the zone too much right now. So he can make some adjustments. And we were never expecting him to be more than a, a four or five starter at best. So I'll say medium because I still think he can easily be that. Yeah, like we were never expecting frontline guy. I, I don't think that this start to this 2023 season says frontline guy, but I think it could say like, hey, you know, five, just get right. Um, so yep. that's why I'm at medium. Yep, I'm with you there, actually. So I agree. A guy that did have ace expectations and we're kind of waiting to see, you know, what what the deal is here and and if he can turn things around is is Grayson Rodriguez. Rodriguez, the Baltimore Orioles, he has shown us flashes. We're like, oh, here he is. And then he kind of hits a wall and gives up eight earned runs to the Angels. He's been very back and forth. It, it's it's been really tough to kind of peg where G Rod's at. Where are you at on G-Rock? I know you were tuned into that last start where, where he struggled against the Angels. Um, again, it's like you get the, the five innings. I know it was the Tigers. We get five innings of shutout ball, nine Ks against the Tigers. Even get a start against the Rays where like, yeah, he wasn't dazzling, but he gave you five and two thirds, a two run ball. And you're like, okay, this this will work. And then he gets blown up in that last start. I, I'm seeing a guy that just doesn't quite have the command right now. Um and that's common with young pitchers with great stuff. But, you know, I think we we're kind of expecting Grayson to, you know, not have command issues at all because he's Grayson Rodriguez. And, you know, maybe that was unfair to him. Yeah. You know, the two numbers that jump out to me, opponents are hitting 309 against him in his first eight major league starts. And he's allowed nine homers through his first eight major league starts. Um those numbers are not what I was expecting from Grayson Rodriguez at all. I was expecting, okay, you know, maybe this guy nibbles, maybe the walk numbers are a bit higher than you would expect. And the walk numbers are a bit higher than you would expect. The strikeouts are there though. The thing that jumps out to me is like guys are hitting Grayson Rodriguez. 
And what we saw from Grayson Rodriguez in the minor leagues was not guys hitting him (laughs) as, as simple analysis as you can find there. But this guy was one of the better minor league pitchers that we've gotten recent memory. And that's why even after missing pretty much an entire year with that lat issue last year, he was so high. He was the top pitching prospect of the game, or at least one of the top two or three. He was so freaking good. And now I think we're seeing the first moment where he's not so freaking good. The beauty of the Orioles is they have the best farm system in baseball. G-Rod struggling. Gunnar Henderson gotten off to a really slow start in his first full season. But they've got other guys that are really helping them. And I think they can almost take the stress off of Grayson Rodriguez and Gunnar Henderson. Um, my concern level, I'd say, is low for yeah. G-Rod because I think he's going to bounce back and he's going to get comfortable. But I see a really uncomfortable version of Grayson Rodriguez. And I'm yelling at the TV like, dude, you're so freaking good. Don't be uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I think it's 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 a level of falling behind in counts and hitters are just sitting on the fastball. It, you look at the curveball. He's thrown you know in the big league so far. He's about opponents hitting 309. He's thrown 57 curveballs so far, only 32 for a strike. That's not going to play. He's thrown 114 sliders, only 63 for a strike. That's not going to play. Um, mm-hmm. When you have those two breaking balls, which are great pitches for him, not landing for strikes, guys are sitting fastball. The changeup's been good. We know the changeup's fantastic. You you texted like he threw a vomit-inducing one last game. I th- that's his best pitch, but you can't be a fastball changeup guy. Like that's not how G-Rod is built. And that's not, you know, he's just not, his fastball is good. It's not good enough to just be that, that fastball and one, one out pitch guy. Yep. He's built on a deep arsenal that, that can just carve guys up. And right now he's just not, he doesn't have the whole arsenal. I think he'll get there. And I think the, the days that we do see him have the whole arsenal, he gets out. So he'll get there. I think he'll be all right. I'm going to go low concern, but you know, you talked about the like Gunner being able to relax. I think Gunner can, they kind of need Grayson to get outs for them. Like, and I think he knows that um, I know they're performing well, so he should like relax, but right now it's keeping the ball in the yard, seven home runs in his last three starts. And again, falling behind hitters got to go to the fastball. They sit on the fastball and big league hitters ain't going to miss that man. They're not missing fastballs and fastball counts unless you place it perfectly. And Grayson isn't really placing anything perfectly right now. Uh, it's a learning curve, and I think it'll be just fine. But the, the the lack of whiffs in the zone are standing out to me, and I think that's just because of the way he's struggling to locate the the secondary stuff. Right. Couple more names, real quick. We've got Ben Joyce. Which is an interesting one to hit on real quick. Let's, we can wrap up on Ben Joyce and Brian Mata. Ben Joyce of the Angels, Brian Mata of the Red Sox. Ben Joyce was like, I think he was literally drafted to be in the bullpen by now. Would you say that 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 was when when the Angels drafted Ben Joyce out of Tennessee? If you ask them, if you ask Perry Manassian, if if he thought that Ben Joyce would be in the bullpen. By May 2023, do you think Perry Manassian would have said yes? Absolutely. And why is he not in the bullpen? Uh, because he's walked 12 guys in 10 and two-thirds innings? Yes. Yeah. That's the struggle. And, um, 
you know, Joyce, I think just pitched yesterday. He got one out. He gave up two earned runs. He walked one and he hit one. Um, he hit five guys, which sucks when you throw that hard and you hit guys like damn. 12 walks, five hit batters, and 10 and two thirds innings, 17 free passes. This is another Southern League guy. Yeah. Here's what jumps out to me about Joyce. <clears throat> Opponents are hitting a buck 35 again. Yeah, that's the thing. He's been Joyce. You're not hitting him. It, it, it's it's Ben Joyce against himself. Yes, and he's losing time and time again against himself. <laughs> yeah, that's the hard part. 32% K rate. No one's really touching him. Five hits and, and 54 plate appearances. But it's only 37 at-bats because he's given up so many free passes. When you're landing your fastball for a strike 52% of the time, you're not going to succeed. It's just not going to happen. Can you believe, though, do you know what his fastball is averaging this year? Uh, is it over 100? 100.2 miles per hour. Sweet. <laughs> Just throw strikes. Throw What's your strikes. concern level? Uh, medium? Medium? Lo- like low medium? He just has to be a reliever. Just be a reliever. Yeah, that's the thing, like, man... Just don't come in, like, don't be Burl Caraway. Yeah. As, like, as terrible as that sounds, but, like, just don't walk 17 guys per nine. Um, I'm not too worried about it because last year he was in double. In 13 innings, he walked four. This year in double, he's walked 12 and hit five. I don't know what's going on. It might be the baseball. So my thing, honestly, he's stinking it up. Send him to Salt Lake and see yeah, what goes just on Just to there. see what happens, man. Get him away from that goddamn baseball. Yeah. Again, hit by pitches are up. Like, it is weird. And when <clears> you <throat> rip the ball like Ben Joyce does, like, maybe this is a little bit weird for him. The The percentage of his fastballs that are nowhere near the zone is what really stands out to me. And I think it just it could be the, the literal grip of the baseball. So, yeah, get him out of there. Yeah, I, I think free Ben Joyce. I think he'll be better. I'm going to go medium just Joyce. because like he's literally not throwing any strikes whatsoever. But yeah. like anybody else, I think it would be high. Um, he doesn't even need it. He doesn't even need to have a feel for a slider that much. He could throw the fastball. He could say, here it comes and still blow guys away. So it's an easy recipe, relatively speaking, to, to getting back. And, and I think that's why it's it's a, just a medium for me. Well, <laughs> excuse yeah. me. Last name. Brian Mata of the Red Sox, a guy that if you listen to the podcast, I was excited about. Thought this might be the year of Brian Mata. It is not so far. Um, Mata's got great stuff, has battled injury issues you know, through the last few years. He's 24 years old. He's in triple. Do you have the numbers in front of you, like the ERA numbers? I have like yeah. the strike rates and all of that good stuff. Seven starts, a 5-6 ERA, 25 and two-thirds innings. Opponents are hitting 263. But in 25 and two-thirds innings, struck out 26, he's walked 27. Oh, don't like that. Nope. That is not going to fly. That is not going to fly, which is crazy because his arsenal kind of points towards not being that guy. Like, he gets a lot of ground balls. He, he, you think he has a lot of different offerings that he can go after you with. He's got this, this sinker. He's got the four-seamer. The sinker I actually like better than the four-seamer but he doesn't use it as much. And the four-seamer gets hit harder. And I think he's got to uh, figure out the pitch usage. But when you're landing, he doesn't. Let, he's another guy that other than the sinker, none of his arsenal is even remotely close to a 60% strike rate. You're just not going to succeed that way. 
Um, just turned 24. Still think that there's hope here. But with the command issues this bad, is it is it medium or high? Um, high, because yeah. I mean, twenty seven walks in twenty five innings. What? Yeah, I was not expecting high. that. And, and and last year, you know, he yeah he battled some command issues. It was thirteen walks or thirteen percent walk rate. Excuse me, it was forty six walks in and how many innings last year? Nineteen starts. Um, it's just. That's uh, yeah. I'm gonna go high. I'm gonna go yeah, high on Brian Mahalitable, and they need him. Like they could use him right now. Uh, and he is not really going deep into starts whatsoever. He has walked about three in just about every single start this year. Yeah, I'm gonna go high on Brian Mata, unfortunately, but very talented arm. Gets a lot of whiffs. Hopefully, like in terms of of what we saw last year, but the whiffs are down big time too. So. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go high. Hopefully, he bounces back, but doesn't look good right now for the Red Sox prospect. I owe my buddy Cooper Boardman a call, so I'm gonna call him and I'm gonna say, "Dude, <laughs> what the hell's going on with Brian Mata?" And yes. I will come back to the next episode and report. Yeah, get the Cooper Boardman report over there from from the Woo Sox broadcaster. By the way, Cooper Boardman, great, great voice over there. Another guy that yeah, I feel like you guys are gonna be calling games against each other in the big leagues at some point, not too far away. Hopefully he's doing some Red Sox pre and post, man. That guy's a rocket ship. Buy stock in Cooper. I would buy Cooper Boardman stock right now. (laughs) All right. That'll do it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope we gave you some solace, maybe in some of your favorite struggling pitching prospects and maybe uh, kind of prepared you for the worst with some of the other ones. But of course, we always hope to be wrong on the guys that we're concerned about. Jack, any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Colt Keith went six for six and hit for the damn cycle. Last night, which is insane. Jefferson Caro, three bombs, three bombs yesterday. Boom. Do the mellow three to the, the dome. mellow three that. bombs. That fired me up. You know, I'm all in on the Caro train. Yeah, 100 percent, man. Uh, ben Brown looked really human. Andy Rodriguez, 110 mile an hour homer down the right field line against Ben Brown in the first inning. Yeah, 110. It was a line drive. I mean, dude. Pirates have a catching decision to make. Ben Brown looked human, which was unfortunate because I wanted him to look like a pitching robot. Uh, the first time I caught him live, um, he did not, but I see the promise there. Yep. Um, I get Killian today. I'll report Yay. back on these eye cubs. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. Enjoy. Yep. Right, thank you, everybody. We will talk to you about prospects later this week. know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator book guided tours excursions and more in one place there are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from so you can find something for everyone and viator offers free cancellation and 24 7 customer support for worry free travel download the viator app now and use code viator 10 for 10 percent off your first booking in the app find travel experiences for you do more with viator when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.